What you're about to hear is 100% true. We've changed some names and voices to protect identities. Take it away. Hi, how are you? Could you be my soulmate? Really nice to meet you. You can call me how. Your number looks like American number. Yes, I have been living in the US and Canada for a few years. I only moved to NZ last year and this is the number I have always been using. Oh, okay, not a problem. What is your name? Oh, I'm Rachel. Sorry, I use the fake name of Hange. I'm private. Totally understand. I am quite new to that dating app. When we think about scamming, we think, that wouldn't happen to me. There's a perception that scams are reserved for the elderly, the hopeless, and those who are totally gullible. Rachel, a tax accountant from Auckland, in her late 30s, wouldn't put herself in any of those categories. Yet, she was swindled out of 100k. This is a cautionary tale that involves deceit, love, a hostage situation, a lot of texting, and the pillaging of a hard-earned savings account. She thinks the man she's just met on the dating app Hinge is Hao Yu Wu. That's the name he gave her, but we're going to call him Crooked Brian. She thinks that he's in Wellington, where he works as an interior designer for a Chinese company. There's like like four pictures of him, but only one picture has himself on it, and the rest of three pictures of his travel photos. In his profile, he said that he loved traveling, he likes self-discipline, and he loved trying new things. And what he's looking for is a deep, meaningful connection, which is quite match what I'm looking for as well, because I had the same in my profile. How you Wu's not his real name, and neither is Crooked Brian. And he isn't in Wellington. But right now, there's no way of knowing that. There's nothing suspicious so far. But there is something unusual about it for Rachel. I wasn't attracted to him because I don't really date Asian guys. Because I just prefer the Western culture because I'm very Western-minded. But I thought, yeah, I probably shouldn't judge. I should give him a chance. So I just click on that match button. They matched on the 9th of March this year, and by the 10th of June, the scam was over, and Rachel's savings account was 100k lighter. The scam she fell victim to is new. Until last year, there were no reported cases of it. And over in the States, the FBI only released a warning about it three weeks ago. These cases are on the rise, and it's not going after old people or the technologically inept. It got Rachel, and it's still out there on social media and the dating apps. It could be coming after you. Welcome to Consume This with me, John Duffy. And me, Sophie Richardson. This week we're focusing on scams, specifically Rachel's story. Now, full disclosure, this is an area that I feel very passionate about. As well as being CEO of Consumer NZ, I've had a long association with a plucky little outfit called NetSafe. NetSafe receives a significant amount of online scam reporting from Kiwis impacted by scams. It's done this for over a decade, because for a long time, there really wasn't anyone else listening. So, Soph, what does the word scam make your insides do? Makes them go... And then it makes me think of all those emails that I've received from princes telling me that I have a handsome inheritance and I just need to pay a clearance fee. And they also make me think of old people falling victim to cold call scams, pretending to the bank or the police or the IRD and... 
Most recently, they make me think of those bloody annoying text messages that my parcel hasn't been delivered and I need to click on the stupid link to get it re-delivered. And it also makes me think of this call that I got from my auntie during last lockdown. Uh, She was very panicked. Uh, She'd got an email saying that people had intimate recordings of her husband doing intimate things. She was quite concerned because these people were saying that if she did not pay them some Bitcoin, um, they were going to release these intimate recordings to all of her family and friends. And fair enough, she was quite concerned about um, intimate recordings of her husband ending up on the internet. And she assured me that she'd spoken to her husband and intimate recordings had likely occurred due to his internet activity. I was able to assure her (laughs) that uh, these intimate recordings did not exist, um, that this was a scam and she should delete the email and block the sender and never speak to these people and not engage at all. And now you've told all of New Zealand. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. I did not name her, though. And And do you think your auntie was more susceptible to the scam because... You know, I assume she's slightly older than you. Yes, yeah, uh, of the retired generation. So, yeah, I definitely had a perception of, well, you know, old people fall for internet scams because they don't understand how the internet works or haven't been around long enough to to grasp it. Yeah, that's right. That's the narrative we hear a lot, but it's not the full story, is it? No, no. Here in New Zealand, the largest reported losses are actually coming from those of us in the 30 to 45 age bracket. And increasingly, we're being targeted in the same way as Rachel. Initially, we'll just talk about general stuff like what do you do, you know, your job stuff. And he told me he was an interior designer. At that time, I was really busy at work. I didn't get lots of time to chat with him. You got to take care of yourself. Remember to take breaks at work. Accountants use a lot of computer, so make sure you rest your eyes every few hours. Okay, thanks. I will. I'm at work. Chat later. Sure. Text me when you finish. I gotta look at how is my BTC doing too. BTC is the shorthand for Bitcoin. Remember that message. It might seem like a throwaway comment, but he's already throwing forward to what's to come later. Hi, Rachel. Have you finished work? You promised to chat after work. Sorry, had a really busy day. I'm still at work. You work long hours. Gotta take care of yourself. Could you text me when you finish? I have ballet after work. I'm busy. I can't chat with you. At this stage, Rachel wasn't really interested in Crooked Brian. He's not her type, and she finds his persistence annoying. But he just keeps texting her. This is a common trick that scammers use. Constantly texting trying to make themselves the only person you're talking to, not giving you time to reflect on the situation. But the fact that they're a scammer can be hard to spot. For Rachel, at the time, it just felt like he was an overly keen guy on a dating app. I'm sure there are heaps of them on every app, dudes who are needy and persistent, but just horny, not scammy. (laughs) He was very proactive. He constantly texted me almost every day and almost every three hours. I got a little bit overwhelmed he always sent me photos of his cooking photos of his wine you know his travel photos that's just a bit too much to start with so i told him to back off a bit 
After this, Crooked Brian actually apologised to Rachel. He said he was new to dating apps and suggested that they just chat as friends. What happened next didn't seem out of the ordinary to Rachel. It's something that we've probably all done. But pay attention. It's important. We chatted a bit on Hinge and he told me he didn't really use this app and he would like to exchange phone numbers, chats on, on other apps. That's how we moved the conversation from Hinge to WhatsApp. Sophie, why is this important? This is a common tactic used by scammers to circumvent the dating apps or social media platforms algorithms. These are designed to pick up on scam trends. These platforms know that they are often misused by scammers and actively remove scam profiles where possible. Moving away from these platforms onto unmonitored messaging apps like WhatsApp means scammers don't need to worry about losing their targets. But to Rachel, moving to WhatsApp didn't seem like a big deal. Why would it? Everything so far had checked out. She'd actually done way more due diligence than most people. One day he told me, I didn't quite tell you the full story about my job. I'm actually a director for a construction company in China. But the chance you meet a CEO of some kind of construction company is low, you know what I mean? And that immediately raised my suspicion. I found the LinkedIn account of the company. It had 117 connections. I even managed to contact one of the connections and just emailed him, hey, do you know this guy called Hao Yu? And is he your manager? And they said, oh, yeah, he's the CEO of the company. You know, I got a reply like that straight away. I just never thought that people would, would fake identities on LinkedIn. But he did fake his identity on LinkedIn. In fact, we're pretty sure the entire company and all 117 employees were created and operated by the scammers. They do their research. It's not one dude in his mum's basement. They're giant multinational organisations. They employ researchers, IT departments, and according to some reports, they employ psychologists to help with tricky cases. They even have training handbooks. So after making the initial contact, they thoroughly researched Rachel from her social media and internet history. We'll dig a bit deeper into this story later. So, for the next few weeks, Rachel and Crooked Brian chatted about all kinds of things. Travel, hiking, scuba diving and cooking. Normal things. Occasionally, he'd mention his Bitcoin trading. But it was always as a passing comment right before he'd end the conversation. Not something he seemed particularly keen to talk about. Sneaky, crooked Brian. The first week of the chat, he slightly touched on it. Not all the time. Then he wouldn't tell you more. Like, even you ask him, so what's Bitcoin? He says, oh, it's just some investment I'm interested in, you know. These seemingly throwaway references to Bitcoin had done their job. The seeds had been sown. A month into the conversation, Rachel decided to ask him more about it. After all... He'd spent a lot of time talking to her about her interests. Why wouldn't she reciprocate? Do you live on trading Bitcoin apart from your job? No, that's unrealistic. Trading Bitcoin is just a hobby of mine. I am passionate about it just like you are passionate about ballet. I am just interested in all sorts of investments. There is a lot of satisfaction when I make a few successful trades. As these conversations went on, Rachel started to feel closer and closer to him. She no longer thought of him as just a clingy guy from a dating app. Maybe she'd been too hasty in deciding he wasn't relationship material. After all, her experiences with Pakiha guys hadn't been too great. Normally, Kiwi blogs, they just spot, spot, spot. <laughs> just put, put them on the sports channel, you're done, you know. 
At this point, she's been talking to him for over a month, and their conversations have slowly migrated from messages to phone calls. One of these conversations in particular stuck in her mind. I think it's about the third week, and uh, we were just talking about what sort of books we read. He called me, actually told me there's a re- book called The Presence by Amy Cuddy. I was like, wow, that, I think I read that book as well. Then I didn't really tell him that. I was just kind of waiting for him to tell me his true opinion. And he actually said that um, he couldn't even finish the book because he just couldn't relate at all. Because the book literally tells you um, you got to act confident even you don't feel it, you will eventually feel like you're confident. And I felt that actually never worked out for me. He told me the same thing. He said that the fake it, you make it, literally just telling people not to be true to themselves. I think he said that being vulnerable is also a form of confidence in his opinion. And this is kind of deep. I mean, it's not shallow. It's kind of my thing. It really worked for me. So I think I got a little bit close to him after that moment. The Presence by Amy Cuddy. Have you heard of it, John? No, I haven't heard of it. But I think the point is, it doesn't seem unreasonable. Two people with supposedly similar interests might have read the same book and formed the same opinion on it. And, as Rachel said, it made her feel closer to Crooked Brian. But, as ever with these scams, there's more to it than simple coincidence. The review that I gave, I left it on Amazon, I think, very similar to what he told me on the phone. So just different wording. At that time, I didn't think he read my review. I didn't think anything about it until he told me later after I confronted him. Wow. Remember earlier on, we mentioned that these are serious criminal organizations. After the scam was exposed, Rachel started thinking back over their chat history and realised that he dug up her Amazon review from years earlier and used it to manipulate her into deepening their connection. There's a term for this. It's called social engineering. But we've skipped ahead. At the time, sure, it might have seemed a little weird how similar some of their interests were, but that's a good thing, right? That's what you want from someone you meet on a dating app. But how do you go from a book review to stealing $100,000 from someone? Look, at this point, Crooked Brian's engineered Rachel into feeling like she has a connection with him. She might not fully trust him, but she's certainly interested in what he has to say. He knows this. So those Bitcoin seeds that have been planted, it's time for them to bear some fruit. He just made me feel like Bitcoin is just his passion. It's just one of his hobbies. Like I sometimes talk about Bali with him. And for a person who never done Bali before, you could just imagine... That can sound a little bit boring or like you just have no idea what we're talking about, right? So he actually asked me to send some ballet videos to him and he's, he's genuinely interesting. Um, of course, he's not genuinely, but he actually take time to know what I'm interested in. He told me, he says, oh, I think I know a lot about your hobby and it's better that I reciprocate and tell you what my hobby is too. And he says, I'm really passionate about this thing. Honestly, Rachel, it's the best thing I ever found. And he started sending me all the Bitcoin trading history that he ever had. And I, I look at it, what's all that? I, I, don't, I don't have a clue at all. And also the candlestick charts looks really complicated. Now, candlestick charts are basically those green and red graphs that appear in every 90s movie about Wall Street. They're basically a bar graph. 
Because I mean, I do buy shares, but I'm not really that technical about it. I'm interested too, because it's a new thing for me. It's kind of interesting. I said, okay, so no, no one in my friends know about cryptocurrency. So I met this person and he knows about cryptocurrency. I think it's a good opportunity to learn about it because I'm quite open-minded too. This is a big red flag for me. Bitcoin is a legitimate cryptocurrency, but there are a lot of Bitcoin scams out there as well. If someone you don't know well mentions it to you, it's a good idea to be very suspicious. Also, if someone you do know well has become obsessed with cryptocurrency, avoid them at a barbecue because it's becoming like paleo diets and smart meters. It's interesting for a quick chat, but pretty tedious over the course of an hour. (laughs) Crooked Brian is playing a deep and long game here though, right? At this point, through their conversations, it's starting to feel like Rachel knows him a bit. She's even spoken to a couple of his colleagues on LinkedIn. And so far, he hasn't pressured her or even suggested that she get involved in Bitcoin. But around the middle of April, that all changed. Good morning, Rachel. Do you want to try trading some Bitcoin with me? I'd love to share my hobby with you more. Probably not. I don't know anything about it. I trade shares, but not regularly. This is much more fun than shares. Cryptocurrency is huge around the world. I can teach you how to trade. I'll teach you how to read complicated candlestick charts. Come on. You should have curiosity and an open mind to try new things. I've traded for many years as you can see from my trading history. If it was super risky, I wouldn't get you involved. I know you are very careful with your money. If you don't enjoy it, you can always quit and withdraw. Rachel wasn't convinced, but she was coming around to the idea. Maybe it would be nice to do something new and share Crooked Brian's passion with him. In Rachel's case, it wasn't like she was being asked to send Crooked Brian himself the money. He suggested she open an account with the same broker he used, Forex.com. He even sent her a link to it in the App Store. Rachel did her research, she looked into Forex.com, spoke to their customer services team, and decided it was a legitimate company. And she was right, it is. Forex.com is totally legitimate, with one tiny snag. It doesn't appear to operate in New Zealand. But that's kind of irrelevant because the link Crooked Brian sent to her wasn't to the official Forex.com app. I just didn't realize the link he sent me had something fishy about it. Because when I click on it, I remember it was took a long time. It's almost like redirecting. I know that when you're redirecting, that's what happened. It takes a long time. I didn't pay attention uh, looking at the final uh, website that I landed on. I think that was the fake website he took me in. I started transfer like $3,000 as an initial investment just to have a bit of fun with him. I just thought, what's there to lose if I got a few thousand dollars in the account and play around? If I didn't like it, it's too stressful or it's not making money, I can withdraw, right? It's no big deal. And that's the reason the scam works so well. At this point, Rachel still thinks she's in control of her money. It's sitting in her account on a legitimate trading platform. Except, it isn't. It's on a fake trading platform, operated by the same scam outfit that Crooked Brian is working for. We're still a while away from our victim, Auckland-based late 30s tax accountant Rachel, discovering this though. She's given them $3,000 so far, but that's not the end of their game. Far from it. 
we played a few trades and sometimes it's a miss, sometimes it's good. But mainly it's about reading the candlestick charts. Where should we place the trade? Where should we sell? Where should we buy? You know, he tried to teach me all that. I find this quite interesting. So initially the experience isn't that bad. It's at this point, over two months since their first contact, once Rachel's been sucked into the app and enjoying the thrill of the trade, that the scammers move into escalation mode. We both enjoy the experience, and we had quite a lot to talk about every day as well, you know. It's exciting. But only a week later, the Haystar suggested me to increase my funding. So that's when I felt a bit uncomfortable. He just said that it takes a lot of time and effort for him to make a plan, you know, for each trade. I was like, but it's never about how much money. I thought this is about a hobby that we're supposed to enjoy together. Um... So I, I didn't really immediately transfer another like seven $8,000 into my Forex account, but he constantly persuading me. If you increase your account to ten grand, I can show you a lot more fun things you can do with that investment. And I couldn't see any way that he's scamming me money because my money is in my account under my name. He has no idea about my asset ID number, my pin number, nothing. So how can he scam me money? So in the end, I got talked into it. So I transferred um, uh, further, I think about between 7,000 and 8,000 New Zealand dollars to make up that 10 grand. Things carried on like this for a week or two. Crooked Brian kept giving her advice and the trading platform kept sending her profit and loss statements. It was fun. Rachel was having a good time, enjoying the thrill of learning something new with someone new. But around mid-May, all that changed. Forex told me that, uh, oh, we are running a promotion at the moment. It's called Investment Buddies. Would you like to bundle your account with another person? You get all these benefits. And they sent me a big brochure to read. It's like 200 pages. I just didn't read at all. To me, it's like junk mail, just literally. So clearly Rachel didn't give a second thought to the offer. But Crooked Brian did. So far, Rachel has transferred around $10,000. But this is where the scam enters its end game. How do you feel if we bundle our accounts together? I read the promotion brochure thoroughly. We can get better service and more accurate market trend information. Not interested. I don't feel comfortable to bundle our accounts. What do you have to worry about? Your money is always going to be staying in your account and mine in mine. You already know how much I have in my trading account and I know yours too. There is no secret. Bundling accounts is just a matter of formality, which benefits both of us. I really think of you as a close friend of mine. You've probably seen how hard I try to impress you. I admit I have feelings for you but I will respect your choice. It made me really happy when you agreed to learn Bitcoin trading from me. It is such a great activity and hobby that we can do together. Since you started trading with me, we got a lot closer, don't you think so? At this point, Rachel checked in with customer service, skimmed through the promotional brochure. Remember, this weighty tome was 200 pages long. I replied yes. I replied yes to customer service. Yes, I'm happy to bundle the accounts with uh, asset ID, whatever, which is his ID. I got a confirmation email from the customer service as well. So that's 
done. He got the benefit, better service, more accurate market trade information, whatever he's after. So I helped him to get all that. So I'm done. So I just didn't think too much about it. So what does it matter if their accounts were bundled? It seems like a pointless trick given the scammers control the whole fake investment platform. Except this move wasn't really about the money at all. It was about giving them some leverage over Rachel. Something they could use to extract yet more money from her. It's time to introduce another voice here. Meet Sandra from the FakeForex.com customer service team. Hello, I'm Sandra from the Fake Investment Platform. Your investment buddy has transferred $100,000 into his account. Please transfer the same amount to match his deposit. What? What's this all about? It's all in our promotional brochure on page 182. When your investment buddy deposits money you must match his deposit or both of your accounts will be suspended. You will forfeit your profits and be unable to trade or make withdrawals. There was still no way that Rachel was going to deposit $100,000 into her investment account. She told Crooked Brian this. Don't worry about the money. How much can you come up with? I can put in 20 k in your account and once we do a few trades and accumulate enough profit, you can always give the 20 k back to me. No, I don't want your 20 k Please don't transfer any money into my account. This is supposed to be fun and a hobby. This is getting too serious. I trust you. You asked me why I liked you before. I feel I have known you for a long time. I like your personality. I like your curiosity, your kindness, your sense of humor. I like your spirit but you are not perfect. You are too ideal, too innocent and gullible sometimes. If this is a hobby we are supposed to enjoy together, I see nothing wrong that I help you a little bit with your funding. Rachel couldn't make up her mind, so she just decided to sleep on it for a few days. But the next morning, our new friend Sandra makes another appearance. The owner of asset ID 26885 has transferred 20,000 United States dollars into your account. Please check to confirm. It was at this point, already 10 grand in the hole, that Rachel started to get suspicious. I didn't like it. I felt something off, you know, something not right. But I just couldn't quite put my fingers on where. It just felt so stressful, the whole experience. And I had to come out with so much money. And I, you know, all around my saving accounts, my my share trading, all that stuff. So I called customer service and asked them, can you please return the money to his account? Sorry, in-app transfers are forbidden. This is part of our policy to prevent money laundering. So the only way that I can return his money is to do a bank transfer from my bank Give him 20 grand back. I don't feel comfortable doing that. So far, it's all about me putting money in my own investment account. It's still fully under my control, you know. Money-wise, I haven't fully trusted that guy yet. But somehow, I kind of trust Forex. I thought that was a legitimate like investment company, you know. I just didn't suspect that. I had a thought about uh, for two or three days. It was really stressful, and he constantly texts me, tried to convince me, used all sorts of tricks like bullying. If you don't transfer the 80K to match the amount I transferred, both of our accounts will be frozen and I can't trade either. I need that money for my business. And if I miss out on the trades next week, it would be your fault. I have done enough for you. It is time you do something for me. Uh. I just try to like bully me, then guilt trip me. 
it just very stressful the experience. So Rachel decided she wanted out, but she was feeling guilty. She felt like she owed Crooked Brian. This will be the last few trips we do together. I find our personalities are not compatible as friends. Once I made the transfer and we did the trace next week, I want to fully withdraw my fund. I want to return you the 20k you gave me, plus all the profit I made in the last two months. I changed my mind. I don't want to meet you in Drew anymore when you come to Auckland. Why would you say that? It is common friends or lovers have some disagreements. I never thought you'd quit on us so fast. I feel very disappointed. So that was it. She transferred over 80k from her savings account in three payments. And on the 9th of June, that's just three months ago, her and Crooked Brian made their final trades. The first one was a loss, but the final two came back as profit, taking her fake account balance up to $150,000. Thank God. After the trades they finished, I was like, this is over. Thank God. I just felt... I feel so free, you know, because then immediately I just contact customer service. I want to request a withdrawal. Mm, please process the withdrawal. Please tell me what things do I have to give you to fully withdraw my fund. And then customer service, that's not, not a problem. We'll pass on to our accounting department. Please wait for a reply wait patiently. So I was waiting for a reply patiently. Dear customer, as an international investment platform, we have to comply with the international tax regulatory standards. Every withdrawal requires the customer to pay 20% tax of the total withdrawal or your fund will not be released. I was like, what? Hang on a minute. I was like, what, what tax regulatory uh, standard are you talking about? Sorry, I'm just an employee. I don't know the technical side of it, but you must pay 20% tax money or we will not release your funds. Now remember, Rachel's a tax accountant. She knows her shit. When I got that message, I already realized Thompson not right and i got my intuition already told me that i got scammed probably but then i contact paul immediately ask him that you know about this tax payment he goes like oh yeah it's no problem i had it before i tried to withdraw my fund last time i paid 20 percent tax and they immediately released my fund he kind of gave me also sort of bullshit answers then i realized how a minute forex asked me to pay tax and he also wants me to pay tax. Then I start connecting the dots together. So I turn my phone off, calm down. I had to think about the whole thing. This is not right. He's not real. He could be a scammer. I felt like I was stupid. <laughs> How could you even do this? <laughs> not seeing all those red flags. Rachel picked up on this pretty quickly, but we're not all tax accountants. If anyone ever asks you for an advanced fee to unlock a larger sum of money later down the road, this is a big red flag. So what do you do when you've lost $100,000? I have an introspective moment. I felt that um, I got scammed for a reason. Because I craved something, and this guy came with that thing. So so I fell, the tri- I fell into the trick. It's... It's kind of understandable why, because I just want a connection, and this guy sell me the connection, although it's fake, but at least they made an effort to make it as real as possible. And then 30 minutes later, I realized, how hey, I got to act quick, and my logical brain kicks in, so I contact MZ immediately, fill the fraud report, I want this report in, I want the procedure, you know, you start the recovering process immediately, 
So I told MV Bank. Then the second thing I do is I went online and uh, uh, filled the report on the uh, New Zealand Police website. That was three months ago. And of course, since then, Rachel hasn't seen a single dollar of her $100,000. It's gone for good. So how do you process such a traumatic event? Not just the loss of the money, but the complicated emotions, the shame, the guilt, the betrayal that go along with being scammed. Well, for Rachel, she met some people online. An interesting choice, I know. But she threw herself into the world of scam baiting. I got hold of this guy. His name is Sean. He got scammed a lot of money as well, this girl, you know. But anyway, he taught me a few tricks to how to confront the scammer. I think he got an IT degree, so he kind of quite an IT savvy. So I learned how to use Gratify to uh, find someone's IP location. I told him that uh, I knew you were a scammer. He was like, what? You're joking. I'm in Wellington. You know, I told you everything about my life. I mean, everything's real. Oh, all right. I said, just read this article. If you tell me that you're not one of those scammers, then what, what are you? Then he clicked on that link. And that link revealed his real location is in Laws. When I showed him that I gratify his IP location, that's when he told me, said, okay, right, so what? You can't do anything about it. I'm not in your country. Your place is useless. They will never catch me. When it comes to scams, unfortunately she's right. There's very little our police can do once the money leaves New Zealand shores. But Rachel didn't give up. I kept chatting with him. I kept persevering. I started use a soft tone. I was like asking, "Hi, hey, how are you today? How's life over there?" I heard life was pretty harsh there. To start with, he didn't reply me at all. Actually, a few times he blocked me. So when I sent the message, it's not delivering. But I kept trying. So he blocked me for a day or two. The next day, the third day, he would actually unblock me and reply my message. One of the message he said that I'm extremely busy. I have a monthly target. Then I ask you, I ask him, what's your monthly target? He says, I can't tell you. If I tell you, I'll be in trouble. We have a supervisor here. We also have a group leader, you know. My phone will get checked every day. Eventually, she turned the tables and convinced the scammer to share some details of his life with her. Before we go any further, it's important to say that it's impossible to verify any of what comes next. This is Rachel's story. But anecdotally, it does fit with similar reports, personal stories, and Cambodian newspaper articles that we've researched online. But of course, these guys are scammers. I think what he told me could be true. I just think at that point, what's the point of him lying? He told me he was only 18. He had a girlfriend, and they were in China. They were both from countryside, and had to find a job. Until one day they met this guy and told them there was some construction work in Laos, you know, you can make some good money. And they were both king. The guy told them, I will promise that we will get you the passport and bring to laws accommodation I included. All you need to do is just get there and start working. They were so excited about this job, you know, and they both went. And by the time they got to the laws airport and some tough-looking dudes, almost like bouncers, and took them away and uh, took their passports and stuffed them in a car and covered their eyes. They, they had no idea where he went. Then he went to this building. And this building was like three levels. He told me he got into a room. The room has like 60 guys in it, or like a classroom. There's a whiteboard at the front. They read the Chinese word called customer psychology. At this point, 
I guess it would have been fairly obvious it wasn't quite the construction job they'd been promised. A supervisor had had a word with both of them, said that this is a scam company, it's a tele-scam. You've got to do scam here. You can't leave. They realized they had no choice because they pretty much stuck there. So they both end up going through six months training on psychology, on technology, get educated on the, the foreign markets, you know, what sort of dating apps are most popular, how can you manipulate your location with Hinge, you know, stuff like that. And now they become a like qualified scammer. A qualified scammer. So, Crooked Brian's story is that he was tricked into going to Laos, held hostage and forced to scam people. Part of this checks out. The phone number he was using is still active, except now the profile is a woman. We tried to call, no luck. But we did manage to have a quick text chat and trick them into opening a location tracing link. And yep, they're still in Laos. Maybe that's the seed of truth in the lie. Or maybe the whole story is true. This is how the story ends up. Whether he's lying or not, I have no idea. My intuition tells me that there's no reason he lied about the whole thing. You can imagine it's quite a stressful condition and she's, he's working in. He's human as well. You know, everyone has weak emotional moments. Then he needs someone to talk about. He said even when he go out for pee, and the supervisor will go with him. This is no freedom. After all this, my overwhelming take-home is that through all the romantic disappointment, the guilt and the shame, Rachel is a really good, kind and generous person. She deserves to find what she's looking for. And via her scam baiting, she's finally managed it. She was talking to a new guy online that she was convinced was a scammer. Because I was scam baiting so many scammers, I wasn't just talking with him, right? Because I had like another five, six scammers going on at the same time. One day, out of blue, I got this call, the video chat call request. My heart was racing because I'm like, oh my god, is some some sort of scammer calling me? I said, that's, that's the first. He looked at me, I look at him, then all of a sudden I heard him from the other end. So, oh my god, you are real. I had, had a good look at you. I thought, how can you look exactly the same in your picture? <laughs> I thought you were a scammer. I thought girls like that can't be, you know, can't be real and still single. <laughs> the next day, he asked me out for a date. I went, we had dinner, had a movie. Yeah, we dated for almost two and a half, three months now. And we see each other every weekend because it's, it's like lockdown, but we are in the same bubble. We went to get the um, vaccine together. Rachel set out looking for a lover, but found a scammer. And then she set out looking for a scammer and found love. That's it for this week. You've been listening to Consume This with John and Sophie. If you've been affected by any of the issues in this program or think you've been scammed in any way, I'd recommend getting in touch with your bank, NetSafe or IDCare and the New Zealand Police. You can find their information in the show notes. I want to say a big thank you to Rachel for sharing her story with us. It takes a lot of courage to stand up and use your story to help others. Her name and voice have been changed to respect her privacy. Our thanks go to the Financial Markets Authority who put us in touch with Rachel, plus ID Care, NetSafe and everyone else who helped us research this episode. Consume This is brought to you by Consumer NZ. You can get in touch with us via podcasts at consumer.org.nz 
The links to our website and social platforms are in the show notes. Matiwa. See ya. Hello, I am Abby Darman and I work in the campaigns team at Consumer New Zealand. I want to tell you about some of the exciting work we're doing here at Consumer New Zealand. Right now, literally, as we speak, we are working really hard to keep big businesses and our lawmakers in check. So we're currently engaged in taking on unfair retirement village contracts, misleading supermarket pricing and dodgy green claims. To keep up this good work, we need to raise $50,000 before the 24th of September. So please, if you can, help us to help others by heading to consumer.org.nz forward slash donate. Thanks so much.